for my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. You don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 321 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhardt. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And uh, we're going to be talking about Star Wars, buddy. That's what we do. Yeah, we are. We're going to be talking more in-depthly about the twins, the third of the Star Wars Visions specials. We still both haven't seen the Lego terrifying tale, so we're going to wait a week to talk about that uh we got a bit of a mandalorian season three update really yeah and uh something about bringing home the bounty this this mm. event that star wars is doing um for merchandise steve cobra's favorite segment type shit steve cobra's favorite segment um, before we get all to that, uh, get get to all of that, uh, follow us on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. And if you enjoy the show and you want to support us, you can for as little as $3 a month at patreon.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. And you'll get access to all the bonus shows. So many bonus shows. In fact, um, I recorded a brand new Star Wars year by podcast with our buddy Steel this week. So uh, you'll have that to look forward to. It may even be out by the time you hear this. Um, and we've got, you know, Cooking with Will, Oh No, It's Hall Solo, Jaws with me and Jesse, Podula Rasa with Emily Lind, Masters of Harvest Kasi with King Tom. Uh, Blue Harvest Adventure, Steve versus the prequels. Oh no, it's Hall Solo. I've probably already said that. In fact, I think I did. Um, immediate reactions to the Band Mandalorian, Star Wars Visions, the Bad Batch, so on and so forth. So once again, Patreon.com/slash Blue Harvest Podcast, and a big shout out to all our patrons. You guys are the best. So, buddy, we are recording this uh, a little earlier than we normally do. So, if you have sent in a voicemail or an email, um, 
and you don't hear it, it's because uh, we recorded earlier. I know a lot of people send in their stuff on like Thursday or late Wednesday. So just so you don't think we skipped over you guys when we get to that segment later. Um, so how has your week been, buddy? Um, I mean, it's been challenging, but, you know, I can't complain. Otherwise, having the kids alone, you know, 24-7 for like nine days straight, it uh, it takes its toll on you. I'm sure it does, buddy. So we, uh, um, we but got, it's good. I mean, you know, last nothing week, I complain about. Last weekend, we got a chance to check out the new uh, Battlefield 2042 beta. We did. It seems fun. I yeah. am looking forward to uh, hopefully uh, that game being in, in a tiny bit better shape when it ships. I will tell you this, honestly. It is the beta that I played that probably had the most bugs in it in a long time. That doesn't give me a whole lot of confidence, but I know that it's an old build, and I yeah. know that they they wouldn't release anything that wasn't polished up. Um, well, I mean, it functioned; it did what it was supposed to do. There were some crazy things going on, but like, yeah, look, you, it know, was, for the, you know, it didn't shut down. It, it didn't, was, you know, force quit or you know anything. It was playable, right? You know, it was completely playable. Uh, there were some glitches and some bugs that we ran across for sure. You know, I'm hoping that's uh, mostly chalked up to it being an older build of the game. They said, you know, that the beta was a couple months old. Right. From a, a, a build of the game that was a couple months old. And we're still about a month for the game coming out. And, you know, uh, of interest to Star Wars fans, this is DICE. This is the company that made the two latest Battlefront games. Right. Um, which, you know. Also known for the series of Battlefield games, right? Yes, yes, which this is the latest in like a series. long history of them. It's a long there's a bunch of those games. Yeah, I was playing Battlefield in like college mm-hmm. on PC, the original ones. Um but it was fun and man, uh I'll say this, the at least the Xbox Series X version that I was playing looked gorgeous. Graphically it's pretty fucking impressive. Mm. And having 64 players on each side, really impressive. So if DICE is working on or is going to do a Battlefront 3 at some point, I could see being pretty interested in that um, and seeing how they evolve that franchise. It would be cool. Yeah. Um, It is funny where you were like, I know they wouldn't ship anything in bad shape, buddy, uh, Dice. Kinda, the dice is known for that. Like, yeah, from what and I understand. They seem, I even and go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say they seem to get there eventually. You know, but my first intro into the Battlefield series was Bad Company. Back on so the Battlefield, Bad years. Company, and then Battle Company, Bad Company Two, mm-hmm. uh, and then from there, you know, I picked up on you know all the Battlefield Two, Three, Four, um, or maybe it was just Three, Four, Five. Anyway. Uh, in, they're known for having their classes and their different class sets and, you know, the team structure that's necessary. You need the medics and you need the scouts and, you know, you need yeah. to fill that roster out. Um, and they've kind of tinkered with that a little bit. You know, and I don't know whether it's for the better or the worse. It still, still feels fine. You know what I mean? Like, still feels yeah. relevantly. And anybody uh, who played Battlefront 2... 
um, I think would be fairly <clears throat> uh, familiar with some of the mechanics in this, like, you right. know, spawning directly into the vehicles right, and things like that, and the different classes that they had in the Battlefront games. Right. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I thought it was fun. I, you know, cautiously optimistic. I'm going to get it. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, the, the thing that bums me out is <clears throat> with a beta when you only have one map and one game mode to play. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily encourage me to want to play a lot of the beta, which is fine. You know, we put in some decent time, but um, those matches are so damn long too, man. They're so long, and I, it, it, they turn out to be the same thing because it is the same map, map every time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it you feel like you're playing the same game over and over and it switches up, you know, the ability of other people and your ability, you know, really it's it, the learning curve is steep. And that's what I remember about battlefield games. It is. I will say impressive and good on you battlefield that I can just switch out whatever attachments I want from the get and mid game, because that is clutch because used to, you would just have to take your lumps and be a meat shield bullet sponge until you got 50 or a hundred kills to get a now, scope or some shit. I'll tell you this. I don't know that that won't be the case when the game ships. Oh, really? I this don't was know. Like, treat yourself. Yeah, I don't know one way okay. or the other. You may still have to unlock that stuff. Okay, but My the ability, are... the ability right. to change it as you go, like once you have the things unlocked, that is cool. That is cool. Like, like so, you know, going from one place and then going to somewhere where you need a silencer, mm -hmm. you just boop, put the silencer on, go and do your dirty work. Yeah. I like that. I like that uh, way better than having to customize a billion different loadouts. You know, and then yeah, yeah, pick the one you're gonna die and you're gonna stick with your whole life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's cool. So uh, we, Jesse and I, have not had the greatest week. Uh, unfortunately, on Sunday morning, in case anybody uh, didn't see our social media posts, we had to put our dog Dharma to sleep. And uh, it has been really rough. It has been a bad few weeks here, buddy, between hospital yeah. stays and nurse visits and Dharma. It's been rough. Yeah, I can imagine. I, uh, I'm really sorry, man. Thanks, buddy. I uh, sure didn't miss that all. You never liked to see your boys go through a hard time. And Dharma was, she was the sweetest girl. I remember I took her to visit you in the hospital when you were in the hospital one time. And that's one of my favorite memories in the yeah. world. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about that. Yeah. When I was, <clears throat> what was it? it? It was 2000. It was 2010. It was the year I got Dharma. Yeah. Um, she was basically a puppy. Yeah. She's still pretty young. I was in the hospital for almost two months straight. And one of my nurses was like, um, <laughs> I don't know how it even came up, but I mentioned like, man, I miss my dog. I want to see my dog. And she was like, you know, you could just have your roommate bring your dog up here. And it I was would like, be fine. yeah, that would be fine. I was like, oh, really? Because last time I checked, this is a fucking hospital. And I don't see many dogs just walking around the goddamn hospital. And she was like, no, we, we've had people bring dogs up to visit their owners. And I was like, all right. So I told Will. And apparently the nurse that told me this was the only cool nurse in the hospital that or i should have done 
the the <laughs> gentlemanly thing to do and call ahead, right? Line it up, make sure it was cool. So I just didn't want to risk being told no and then doing it anyway because that's worse than yes, you know, asking totally for forgiveness instead of permission is how I approach the situation. So a couple days later, at night, Will texts me and he says, "Hey, me and Chris we're bringing Dharma," and sure enough, about an hour later. The door opens and there's my puppy with Will and she is super nervous. She is like, what the fuck is going on? Where are you guys bringing me? And it then is she... the, I was going to say, it's the most undercover thing I've ever had to do. Like scouting ahead, making sure no one was there, finding a door where there wasn't security, waiting for someone to come out, slipping in with the dog, trying to make it to the elevator with nobody, seeing like one or two people and they're like, what the fuck? But you just keep walking like someone told you to do this and then you just don't stop. You know, oh, I'm supposed to do this. And like hitting the floor where all your nurses were and just blowing past them (laughs) straight to your room. Like my face had to be bright red. Like I was terrified inside. And then she's super nervous, immediately sees me. And she's like, oh, what the fuck? This is where you've been? Got up in the bed with me and wasn't there two minutes before a nurse came. And she was like, "Um, I'm just going to pretend that we didn't see this, but you guys need to leave is basically yeah. what she said. That's so what I got, I, I got like five minutes with Dharma, but it was worth yeah. it. It was. I'll tell you what, you would not be, based on my personal experience with a recent hospital stay, there would be get, there would be no getting inside without hitting a security check of some That's sort. That's absolutely right. They're, on, you know, they're locked down mm-hmm. these days. Dude. Ah, uh, a different place in time. So this one night, when I was in the hospital, um, Jesse and I decided to go on like a little walk, just get out of the room. Mm-hmm. So I'd had like all my IV medicines and my nurse had just come to visit. So I got out of bed, got in my chair and we went down to a floor that was completely abandoned. It was oh. like something out of silent Hill. No. And when I say, um, I say it was creepy. Like we were walking these halls of an abandoned floor in a hospital. There were still Christmas decorations up from who knows when all the TVs in the waiting rooms and stuff were on nobody watching them. Every nurse's station, uh, abandoned rooms like typical hospital rooms, just stacked full of beds and chairs and stuff like being used <laughs> for to storage. storage. Yeah. It was bizarre, dude. It was weird. That sounds horrifying. I mean, it sounds like a great intro to a horror novel. Yeah, I could have, I could have shot a found footage horror movie in in the yeah. abandoned floor of the hospital. Absolutely. So I don't want to harp on it too much. You know, our listeners will remember Dharma for sure because she has interrupted many, many, many recordings in the past. She's had a lot to say. She has. She has. So she was a good girl. Uh if we keep this one a little short this weekend or, or this week, you guys will know why. Uh needless to say, I'm not exactly uh in the most chipper, cheerful podcasting mood. So but um what I did want to talk about is uh okay. 
<clears throat> Star Wars or Lucasfilm or whoever the fuck announced this week that they have a Bring Home the Bounty event going on from now until December 28th. And what this is is weekly reveals of new Star Wars merchandise. So uh, this week was week one, right? Mm-hmm. And then going forward, they're going to reveal stuff every week. Uh, and I was like, oh, cool, because you know me, buddy. What do I love? Star Wars merchandise. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm going to head I, on over. I was going to say toys, but that, I was like, yeah, it's not just toys. It's mm-hmm. merch. It's- merchandise. Toys is one aspect of it. Right. So I go over to StarWars.com, super excited to see what's going to be on offer. And I scroll down and it says, with the Lucasfilm 50th anniversary coming to a close this year, we wanted to find a way to celebrate all our beloved characters and stories from the classic to the new and everything in between. There will be something to excite every Star Wars fan this year with such a wide assortment of items to enjoy and engage with, whether fans are adding to their own collections or scouring for the perfect gift. So, oh, this gets me hyped, right? First thing I scroll and see, Mandalorian-inspired shoes from Crocs. That's what they lead off with. Crocs! Crocs. No, thank you. That's like the footwear of nurses and and line cooks. Buddy, I don't... I feel like they're making a comeback. I don't know how, but I feel like Crocs are coming back and not in a small way. Like in a big way. I, I mean, I didn't even realize they left, honestly. You ever seen some like hippies and and uh, the outdoorsmen, the rafters? They're everywhere, those Crocs. Well, look, I know Crocs have always been around, but there was a time when Crocs came out and you saw everybody in Crocs. Not me, because what am I going to do? Buy two different pair of Crocs in different sizes and get one of them built up? Fuck me. No thank you with your foam shoes, assholes. (laughs) Fuck you and your stupid Crocs and your clown shoes. And whatever those charms you put on Crocs, gibbets. Charms in the holes. I didn't know. No, thank you. Right? So I never got into Crocs. And then I feel like Crocs became a bit of a meme. You know what I mean? Where people are clowning on Crocs. Right. I mean, and now yeah. it's turning back. The tides are turning. I guarantee you I'm going to get a, a message about this being like, hey, man, lay off the croc hate. Chill out on the crocs. Yeah, everything is cyclical. I mean, I know people say that, but it really is like the horn rim glasses, the high and tight haircuts, you know, like that's very 50s, you know. The the way that shades and eyeglasses look right now, like some some of those look like the 1950s and 60s. So, you say everything is cyclical. When is the fucking cycle that's going to be my time going to come around, Will? Because I've been waiting 38 goddamn years, right? What is it's what never is been time? my time. I don't know what is hoodies my time? and heavy metal shirts. Never been my time. <laughs> never been my time. I don't know. Never been my time. Winter. When are fat dudes with excessive body hair going to be the cycle? When's that cycle going to hit? Hey, it just depends on where you're from around the world. You know, your size, you know, <coughs> you're doing well for yourself. And then, not that well. 
You can provide, brother. Jesse just texted me and said, new Star Wars movies was my time. That was my time? Yeah, for about a year. For about a year until all the fucking man babies saw the new Last Jedi and had to get up in their fucking man pussy arms and get uh-huh. mad on YouTube. That time was short-lived. Crocs lived longer. Well, so besides Crocs, oh, I mean, Star Wars is here to stay, and it doesn't affect me if a bunch of people want to be mad and angry about it. But I I still don't say, I'd say my time for Star Wars was December 15th, 2015, or whenever the fuck The Force Awakens happened. I've had some Crocs. I'm sure they're comfortable as fuck. And I wouldn't say comfortable as fuck. The thing that I can't do is really wear them barefooted because your feet will smell like a hot dog factory. And I can't handle that. Like, I have to wear socks. Wearing they look like stinky feet shoes. I'm not going to lie. They I mean, look like stinky feet shoes. To you me. know, all those holes, dirt gets in those holes. And then the sweat from your feet turns it into mud. So, like... You know, that's what you squish around in your feet all day in Crocs. That's foul. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm still rocking a pair of waterlogged Adidas that I wore to a Phoebe Bridgers concert, so I, I'm sure my feet don't smell great. <laughs> I gotta hang I gotta hang one of those feet out of the shower because I got a, a wound on my knee. I'm sure that foot smells a great, bro. <laughs> I'm sure it smells like new car smell on that foot, bro. Jesus Christ. Uh, trying to catch a break here and they're trying to and they get me all excited for Star Wars merchandise and the first thing on the list is Crocs. <laughs> and then besides that wasn't, that wasn't what you were hoping for. Besides that, it's uh Mandalorian, Ahsoka, and Grogu themed sunglasses from Diff. Well, that's cool. Two Rogue One pops. And uh, new vintage style, retro style action figures from Hasbro, which, okay, now we're talking. Oh, I can get a retro style Boba Fett and Bo-Katan. All right. All right. Now we're talking. Oh, I they my kids some retro style toys for Christmas today. Oh, what'd you get him? Uh, a Leonardo and a, uh, a Michelangelo. They do like the, they did like the reissue of the mm-hmm. originals. The original those, Playmate too. styles. But, yeah. That's cool. You got to hunt them down a raft because we all rafts. Uh, yeah. If you can't find them a raft, let me know because. They just didn't have Raffadani in the store. You know, they yeah. had they had a stack of Leos and a stack of Mikey's. So, um, but there could anyway, be vintage some. Vintage toys, yeah. There could be some cool stuff coming down the the pipeline. So, the the thing that's. I've seen people wondering about is like each week has a different little icon representing it. So like this week's was a stormtrooper. I saw nothing in the product line to denote, Oh, this is why this week's is a stormtrooper, right? Mm-hmm. Um, next week, week two, uh, is Din Jaren's hair helmet. The week after that is Bo-Katan's. The week after that is Ahsoka. Then Rex, Grogu, a Tusken Raider, uh gonk droid so on and so forth right well maybe it's just the first one that doesn't have a theme it could be it could very well be that's what it is they just use the star they use the stormtrooper as a general a general catch-all 
That's kind of what I was wondering. <clears throat> but they're all, you know, pretty... You you sort of get the theme of them all, like mm-hmm. what they relate to Star Wars. Like, So week nine, which is December 7th, is the Lucasfilm 50th anniversary logo. That even makes sense. Then week 10, the logo is a gamepad, like an Xbox controller. So... I've seen people wondering, does that mean on December 14th they're going to reveal a new Star Wars game or something like that? Uh, mm-hmm. Look, I would love it if that's the case. Um, it does seem awfully weird for a gamepad to be featured, the the featured image for that um, week. And if there was a Star Wars game to be announced, I would imagine it. there's a chance it could be Jedi Fallen Order 2. That would be cool. Because I'm expecting that next year. Yeah. So if they wanted to go ahead and announce it, that would be cool. But on the other hand, it could be as simple as something like, you know, a Boba Fett Xbox or PlayStation controller. Right. Since Book of Boba Fett's coming out. Not... Another Lego exclusive. It could be, it could, yeah, it could be, you know, a collector's edition for the Lego Skywalker saga. It could be any number of things sort Mm -hmm. of video game related. Could even be, you know, special edition consoles. Although you would think if they were going to do that, they would try to have those out, you know, before December 10th for Christmas and stuff. Right. If you can't do it for the holiday. You wait your turn in the semiconductor line, I guess. And then week 11, it's my boy Boba. He's the next one in line. So if these are meant to be themed in some way, uh, then I could see that maybe being the initial reveal of some Book of Boba Fett merchandise, which... I find it odd that they would feature character faces and not (laughs) have any correlation to the release of product. Me too. Why associate them with a face at all if not going to have some relevancy? I mean, that's a that's a really good um, point. Really, the ne- the test will be next week, right? The next week is the Din Djarin helmet. So yeah, if, if there's anything Mando, yeah, it'll if, be justified basically. Yeah, if they if they show off some Mandalorian related stuff, it's gonna be it's gonna be Din Djarin Crocs. Mm. Din Djarin puka shell necklaces. I'll be honest with you, they're everywhere. Din Djarin and Grogu, they're everywhere. Yeah, they are. In every store, on socks, on wrapping paper. My wife got Grogu wrapping paper. They they fucking hit it on the head. I mean, you know, I was kind of joking about my Star Wars time being, you know, just this little span after The Force Awakens, but they really did fucking hit it out of the park with Mandalorian. That's been a pretty big success for them. They did, and I might have been a little critical in the beginning <laughs> because they missed a holiday season, but you, they had to wait for the reveal of... Buddy, I f- I'm going to be completely honest with you. I feel you're 100% uh, justified in being critical of them because specifically Hasbro has been abysmal with their Star Wars offerings. Like, for instance, the week after the first What If episode aired, the Agent Carter or Captain Carter with Steve in the (coughs) Hydra Stomper armor, Mm -hmm. 
Uh-huh. Hasbro puts up pre-orders for Agent Carter and Steve in the Hydra Stomper armor. To this day, almost a year later, we don't have a Boba Fett Season 2 Black Series or regular scale figure available. Right. There's no... I mean, and, and then the list goes on and on. Like, the amount of figures they produced different character-wise for... The Rise of Skywalker. Embarrassing. There's no Ben Solo. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just fucking stupid. So I feel... And that's a missed opportunity because, you know, Ben so young Ben Solo, that would be awesome. Well, not just like Ben Solo from the end of the movie after he gets redeemed. Mm-hmm. You would... Bro. Those figures would definitely sell. Um. So yeah, I I feel it's t- now you know when you're talking about hey we didn't we purposely didn't produce any Grogu merch because we wanted that to be a surprise. I can let you slide on that. Yeah, but, you get you, the first one is good. But two years later, when the secret of Grogu is out, and you know eight months before your second season starts, the story breaks that Rosario Dawson is going to be Ahsoka and that Tamora Morrison is coming back as Boba Fett. Like, yeah. it's safe to start producing that merchandise, guys. Yeah, right on out then. And then I think it was last week, they were like, there was this message that went out that was like, oh, we are so excited to announce um, an upcoming Black Series figure, Right. Right. And and I was like, oh, this would be interesting. I'm out of the uh, Black Series game, but I, I wonder what it'll be. I wonder if it'll be something that uh, makes me pull the trigger. Because I get one every now and then, you know? Yeah. Uh, it was a repainted Stormtrooper. No. Buddy, no. Buddy. Oh, my goodness. I hope whatever poor worker made that Stormtrooper Black Series mold gets a hell of a holiday bonus. Because that mold has been reused over and over and over again. They're like sitting around in the Hasbro board meeting being like, so we got this neat looking version of Boba Fett from Mandalorian season two. Like he's got this black robe thing on and hey, don't tell anybody he's getting his own show next year. And they're like, okay, okay. Hey, has anybody seen that stormtrooper mold laying around? Because I, th- I figure we could just paint some stripes on that dude and put it out on Amazon and call it a fan channel exclusive. Put Luke's face on it and then just put the helmet over it. Yeah, which they've uh, that they've already done that. Granted, they could always be like, "Oh, we're re-releasing it, and it's the archive series, baby." <laughs> Actual fitting helmet snaps on magnetically. Yeah. Um but like they just spray paint him, you know. Mm-hmm. Make this one a little dirty. This guy's been in the oh, sand. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. This this stormtrooper, he's a sand trooper. How do you know? Sand trooper. We put a little brown in the airbrush. <laughs> put a little brown, some tans. <laughs> just a, a little tss, tss. Meanwhile, just, Funko? Just, mm, reprint of the stormtrooper. Brand he, new stormtrooper. Funko? Everything under the sun. Oh, you yeah. want to bend solo? We got you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. You, you want a chrome Boba Fett? Fuck it. Here we go. 
You know how hard it is to alter the big head light bulb? <laughs> Not hard. Yeah. Coming at you like a laser beam. <clears throat> so that's uh, that's what we're doing. And speaking of Mandalorian Season 3, uh, good buddy Carl Weathers, also known as Grief Karga in The Mandalorian, tweeted yesterday that he was going to begin filming Mandalorian Season 3 today. October 13th. So, you know, we knew Mandalorian Season 3 has been in production for at least a little bit in some form or fashion. But this is, the, as far as I can tell, the first confirmation from one of the major actors in the series that they are headed to set. So, Mandalorian Season 3 is underway and, you know, given production timelines and stuff i would suspect we will we will be seeing it towards the end of next year <clears throat> however there is a potential um thing that could come up that might uh mess with that have you heard about this buddy have you heard no, about the strike on? that's about to go on about to be going on no um so, the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, movie picture technicians, artists, and allied crafts of the United States have been um, in negotiations for better working environments and, and benefits and things like that right. uh, with their union. And... Uh, it has not been going well, and they announced today that if negotiations um, aren't wrapped up by this Monday, the 18th, that they are officially going on strike. Oh, wow. And if that happens... Oh, you can put dot, dot, dots on everything entertainment-related. Yes. yes. And look, it's uh, it will work itself out. It's It's kind of like, you remember... When Lost had to do the shorter season because of the writer's strike. The writer's strike. Yeah, I remember that. This It's going to be a similar situation. There'll be a strike and they'll work things out. And like, look, I'm all for these people getting taken better care of, you know, especially when you're working for somebody like Disney who's making the Mandalorian and making hands over fist money. Like, right come off the wallet a little bit and help out these people that do you know, these, all this work for you. Poor people that are, you know, recording professionals, you know, visual professionals, they go home and they, you know, live in these tiny apartments and they try to pay rent, you know, by being involved in all these different projects that, you know, some of these major corporations are just printing money with. Yeah. So, uh, I would be, America itself has a real problem with insurance. Like that's an entirely different conversation, but health insurance in America is probably one of the most messed up things about what's going on currently. Um, okay. So <clears throat> I was looking it up cause I haven't done a ton of research onto this. I, you know, I've, I've seen it mentioned and I've read a couple articles here and there. And I, I saw people saying like, you know, if this strike goes through, it will affect, there's a lot of stuff it could affect. Mm -hmm. Um, and so from what I understand, these are, are what they're looking for in their negotiations. They want higher minimum wages, a minimum time period between the end of one day and the start of another, 
and the end to the current classification of streaming as quote-unquote new media with lower minimum wages and measures to dissuade studios for skipping breaks for meals. Oh my goodness. That's pretty dirty. Using so, the fact that you work on a streaming thing to short your people's time. Yeah, and so lunch breaks. I'm I'm on their side of it. You know what I mean? You deserve a working environment where you're treated as an individual with, you know, where you're respected as an individual. Yeah. That's it. You and, deserve to be respected. Basic human respect. So Exactly, right? And yeah. thinking at the amount of enjoyment I've gotten out of the work these people do, not just in, in everything, you know? I love right. watching shit, buddy. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's only fair that they get compensated accordingly and taken much, care of. I think it's similar to kind of what's going on in the gaming industry, um, you know, yeah, I mean, there's... Uh, there's only so hard you can work people. Yes. The, the whole idea of crunch in the gaming industry is is a big hot-button topic, for sure. Yeah. And um, it's one of those things that we're going to keep continue, continuing to hear about until some pretty big changes are made. And, you know, interestingly... Um, I believe it's Ubisoft Montreal announced mm -hmm. last week that they're going to a four day work week for all employees. Really? And I was kind of reading about it and it was interesting because, uh, you know, they're having to compete. They're, they're losing a lot of employees. And then part of that reason is they're having to compete with other studios that are offering, um, work from home type situations mm -hmm. and things like that. And also apparently it's hard for them to hire work from home employees because they receive a lot of money and tax breaks for hiring um, Canadian citizens. Mm -hmm. So they don't get those same benefits if they hire, you know, someone, in Utah or whatever, shout out right. Utah Dougie for work from home work. And I thought it was pretty interesting, and it, it was neat to see that they're going to a four day work week. Do you know how fuck man? Do you know how much I'd love a four day work week every week? It would be cool. <sighs> Shit, those Mondays would not feel as bad <laughs> if there was a four day work week. Um, but in so, the eighties economists prophesied that we would you know uh automation was getting to the point where we would have a four-day work week and instead we as a society decided to keep the five-day work week and squeeze more work into those days <laughs> because we had increased our efficiency well whereas other places like norway and you know bro, some of those places they they already have four-day work weeks and stuff speaking of norway in a completely unrelated matter, did you hear about that shit that happened in Norway today? I, you know, I ran across a headline and I, I thought it was old, but I didn't realize it's from today. Yeah, apparently, several people died or were injured due to 
bow and arrow attacks a bow from and someone. Arrow attack. Yeah. Woo. I mean, that's probably I, I'm not I don't not educated on the matter, but I it may be a country where you know handguns guns are not easy to come by, and when somebody snaps, I don't know I don't know anything about that. I just was like, wow, a bow and arrow. I mean, your 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 drive and desire to kill people, that's astonishing. You know, to 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 go to that much effort, like, I mean, if it just, it almost feels like evidence of evil, <laughs> to go to that pretty much meditation premeditation to kill multiple people. Buddy, I I didn't need that as evidence. <laughs> you know, of- I, I I agree. You know, I, it's just. It's astonishing, you know, that someone would want to hurt someone else so badly. So, um, back to Star Wars. Basically, what I'm saying is Mandalorian Season 3 is in production now. But as early as Monday, that could not be the case if they don't get things worked out. Yeah. Um, And look, if we got to get Mandalorian Season 3 a little later so the people working on it can be taken care of a little better that's all right with me as i see that's my thing i don't care how long i have to wait i want everything to be right i want the story to be right i want the performance to be right i want the people that make the show to be taken care of because they'll make a better product happy workers work harder you know, when a worker is satisfied and they're not worried about all this other bullshit, they put their creative heart and soul in this stuff. And you need the creative people to feel comfortable in this environment to make quality product. The art suffers. And I know that sounds like a terrible, you know, cliche, but like really when you're worried about whether you can go to the doctor or not or whether you got money to pay rent, you know, like you're not making the best art you could be making. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, <clears throat> there's also... The possibility that this could delay other Star Wars things, too. Once again, I'm not saying this to be like, oh, man. I'm saying this more like just so people know. um, You know, If it happens, because it's happened before. The writer's strike was a real thing, and it affected a lot of people. Yes, it could. I don't know. You know, I guess it depends on what state. Basically, sank heroes. Do you remember that? Oh, buddy! I think heroes sank its damn self. Oh, I probably you're probably right. I think <laughs> the writing sank heroes. About that, you're probably right. Um. Anyways, um, it. I guess it depends on what stage of production it's at, but it could even affect the book of Boba Fett. You that know? would be terrible. Uh, it could could affect Andor. It could affect Obi Wan. You know, those that's what I was gonna say. Shows are further out, so. You know, there's always the possibility that, I mean, considering we don't know the release date of anything past the book of Boba Fett, you know, we, we may not even see how it affects them. You know, those, those, uh, release dates might get moved a little bit and we wouldn't know any better, Mm -hmm. but, uh, that is just something to be aware of and, uh, something to check out. And there's plenty of stuff you can read about it that will do a lot better job explaining uh, what they're looking for and and what the um, negotiations are all about than than, what than I, me yeah yeah then don't mean tweet up dumbass me so um we wanted to talk about the twins today the third of the Star Wars Visions shorts 
which came to us by way of Studio Trigger, director Hiroyuki Amashi, and writer Hiromi, Hiromi Wakabashi. Ooh, I hope I said that one right. <laughs> if I have faith in anything, it's that you said those things right. Buddy, love you to death, peace, and love. That is misplaced faith. Well no established. You know your Japanese shit. Mm-mm. I you know more Japanese shit than I do. You know, I I considered myself, you know, a Japaneseist, but then like, dude, you know you speak Japanese. You know, like But okay. In my head I speak Japanese. <coughs> you know what I mean? Like I can hear I'm I'm to the point now where I'm coming close to three years of taking Japanese lessons. Casually on my phone. Um, and you know, I can hear some Japanese and translate it in my head. The pronunciation and speaking of Japanese, especially with my fucked up mouth who can't even say things like acolyte correctly. <laughs> that's a different story, my dude. That is a different story altogether. It's a different language altogether. <clears throat> so. I actually, uh, while I was doing research on the twins today, I, I did um, a little bit of a deeper dive into the director, Hiroyuki Imashi. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the founder of Studio Trigger, and he got his start at an animation studio by the name of Gainax. I believe mm-hmm. that's how you say it. Gainax, of course, is the studio that produced Neon Genesis Evangelion, of which he was a uh, key animator. He was an animator on Neon Genesis Evangelion. So that dude was actually putting like pen to film, right? Yes. Yeah, he was an animator. He started off as an animator. Um, while at Gainax, he also worked on Fool and, is it Fooly Cooly? F-L-C-L? Is that how you yeah, say it? Fooly Cooly? Die Buster. And the last thing he did at Gynax before leaving was Gurren Lagann. Gurren Lagann's actually one of my favorite anime. Every single one of those animes is over the top. Increasingly so as it progresses with time. Like super over the top. Mm-hmm. Which is great about about it. Like that's that style. Have you seen Die Buster? Uh, I don't believe I have. Yeah, I haven't either. Uh, like I saw that and I was like, ooh, maybe I should check that one out. <clears throat> then in 2011... He left and started Studio Trigger. And the first thing he did uh, as director at Studio Trigger was do Kill a Kill. You'll rem- you, uh-huh. If you heard our Visions episode, the two right. ep- anime that I recommended, uh, if you liked the twins, were Kill a Kill and Gurren Lagann. Um, and since being at... Um, Studio Trigger. He did Kill a Kill. He did something called Space Patrol Luluco. Yeah. Pro I think that's on Amazon. Yeah. Amazon. No, no, no. I'm sorry. HBO Max, I believe that's on. Oh, Promare looks kind of cool. Yeah. It's kind of like in the same vein oh, as Green Log on. Yeah. Yeah. But I, uh, I haven't. I, I started it, but only got like, you know, like two or three minutes into it before I had to stop and do yeah, something Yeah, I'm going to check that out for sure. Um, 
Star Wars Visions, the twins, obviously, and he is also uh, working on Cyberpunk Edge Runners, which is coming to, I believe, Netflix next year. That's cool. Is that in the same vein as Cyberpunk 2077, or is yes. that a different? Yes. Okay, all right. <clears throat> so that's just a little background on uh, on the director that I thought was interesting. Like, I knew... You know, obviously, Gurren Lagan, Kill la Kill. I did not realize he was a key animator on Neon Genesis Evangelion. And <laughs> when you put it in perspective, it shows. So um, it's a little history of the studio for you guys. I appreciate your deep dive there. They That's have, all, that knowledge is always appreciated. They have also produced things like Little Witch Academia, which I know Jesse watched a couple of episodes of. Um, and some other things uh, that he wasn't necessarily directly involved in, but the studio was. I feel like there's a whole side of anime that I'll probably get into if, if my little girl ever likes anime, because that you know they're just some of those that I'm yeah I've right chosen to watch that are probably not bad at all. You know? <clears throat> so the twins, you know, is the story of the two dark side twins or two twins born of the dark side. Seems like they were uh, created in some sort of dark side scientific experiment, a la yeah. whatever the fuck Palpatine was up to on Exegol or something. Right. This is a, a story that takes place post episode nine. That was something that was announced, you know, before Visions came out that two of the shorts, uh, the Ninth Jedi and the Twins, were post episode nine. Uh, the English voice cast features Neil Patrick Harris as. Kare. Yeah. Allison Brie is Am. Um, and uh, that's, you know, those are the two main characters. I thought they did great. I really like the voice acting. I'll tell you this on my second watch of the duel, not second, this is probably maybe third or fourth by now, but uh, there were some things that I picked up, some really subtle animation things that I picked up that you you might not see if, you know, you only watched it once or twice. Oh yeah, like what? We'll we'll go into it, but like, it's I if I'm not mistaken, it's like you can see Am's hand, kind of grabbing the Kyber crystal when she's holding on to it, and he's in the X-wing trying to get away. Like there's like a faint outline of like her hand like grasping the crystal. It sounds like a ghost force kind of hand. Hmm. And uh, when he turns on his lightsaber to to cut it in half. Uh, it's like every color. It's like a rainbow yeah, explosion of when it color. first ignites. Uh huh. And it fans out super huge before it makes the super blade. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that his very first attack with it establishes that he can change the length of the blade. Uh, that he apologizes. You know, the, when he knocks all of the stormtroopers into the wall. You know, he, 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 he emits light side energy from like the second you see him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though he, I mean, he straight up says that he's not interested in the light side or the dark side and <clears throat> the Republic or the empire. Yeah. yeah. And, and he straight up the whole reason he's not interested in it and which becomes something they reveal later is he's trying to save his sister, sister. Yeah. Um, and in the behind the scenes stuff, um, I really liked that the director was basically saying, look, we knew this was going to be a little bit over the top compared to what Star Wars fans are used to. 
but we kind of just went with it. Like we really wanted to do that sort of big, expressive, over-the-top anime style for this short. The, 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 the thing that he mentioned that stood out to me was that, you know, with one of these uh, experiences is so influential for you to draw from that uh, you can go into paying too much of an homage, right? Like right. you can fall into this trap of paying too much homage. So he wanted to do something that was utilized a lot of traditional Japanese animation. And I, I, I'm just really glad he did. Uh, especially some of the angle sweeps and uh, some of the lines that they was talking about, uh, the, the Lucasfilm guy, you know, he brought that point up and I was like, he's really right. Like there's a lot you can do with animation and they really utilize that to its maximum in this short. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think as a result, this one is, I don't want to say the most unique cause there's a lot of unique shit in, mm-hmm. um, in visions when it comes to what we're used to seeing in star Wars, but it definitely gave us a style and uh, sort of an emotive quality that <clears throat> we don't see a lot of in Star Wars. Um, and, you know, this is one... I, I liked them all, so I don't want to say, like, anything bad about it. But this is one that, like, on first viewing, I was like, wow, that was crazy. Maybe yeah, not necessarily I, my thing when it comes to Star Wars, but that was crazy. Right. Yeah, that's why I, when I watched it, I was like, "That was." I'm not sure what the hell I just watched, but that was nuts. Um, but I've watched it so many times. Uh, one of the little details when they're fighting over the crystal, like they're each holding on to it, or or they're arguing about it or something. She talks about how it can be hope for the rest of the galaxy, and there's this flash of blue light that like crosses her face uh, when she's talking about it being hope. Like there's this, you know, and that's a neat little undertone of like the light side when she's talking about the potential and he's like, Oh, I can only bring destruction. Um, it was interesting. So all these little stylized parts of this short were just fascinating. Yeah. And you know what? It kind of reminds that, that specific moment that you're talking about, obviously it's not a one-to-one comparison, Mm -hmm. but it kind of reminds me of that moment towards the end of the force awakens when Ray and Kylo are facing off Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, the whole like, you need a teacher part, mm-hmm. right? Um, right. and she's got like the, the blue from her saber and the red from his saber sort of crossing her face where it's like, you know, you can sort of see the tug between the light side and the dark side or whatever you want right. to say. It's, right. it's sort of symbolic of that. Like she could go in any exactly. direction depending on what choice she makes at that moment. Uh, and it kind of reminded me of that in a way. Um, yeah, I, I, one thing that I really liked was the use of her suit as like the multiple lightsabers and like this light whip attack when mm-hmm. she gets super powered up. Okay. Now I have not been a fan of the light whip in any medium, but I'll be damned if anime isn't the one where I'm totally cool with the light whip because it's <laughs> fucking awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. Especially in the situation where, you know, she's power surging and it's literally, you know, surging out of her in all directions. Uh, and that the fact that he wrapped it up and like broke it with his lightsaber was really cool too to me. Like, oh, excuse me, got a little heartburn. Um, I'm with you, buddy. I've never been the biggest fan of the light whip. The yeah. light whip to me 
like even as a kid when I was going back and reading um the old you know 70s and 80s Marvel comics issues there's a character that shows up with a lightsaber whip in that yeah and it yeah. just I was just always like eh it's not really my thing um I mean I get it it seems cool imagining my lightsaber going from a lightsaber to like flaccidly just falling down and like flopping down towards the ground yeah that just doesn't that's not a pleasant image for me yeah yeah i ain't i ain't trying to have my lightsaber go flaccid at a moment's notice no i like an erect lightsaber i need that shit to perform when it needs to perform i'm with you on that buddy i want it to crackle and hiss um so it's also something i've never been a huge fan of and you know they have a character in uh the high republic stuff it's actually a character I really like uh, that has a lightsaber whip type thing. And I was like, ugh, man. They just, they're trying to make this thing happen, man. The lightsaber whip is just like going to cycle back around. But much like you, like, I, you know, I think an application where it works for me is an anime where shit is over the top. And, right. you know, especially with something like Visions where we don't have to worry about the canon status of anything. Right. I think it worked all right. Um, you know, one of my favorite things, like concepts in this, is the idea of this, uh, you know, this dark armor that they both wear that's powered by right. a kyber crystal. Right. Now. I feel like he bails on his, like, instantly. Yeah, well, when she comes to confront him, when he's trying to get out with the power source and he whips the helmet off and stuff. But yeah, yeah he like, hits that button and it basically blows his clothes off. Yeah, it's like, did you ever have like, um, you know, any figures when you were a kid that had like battle damage or something like that where you could hit a button and they would like explode or all their armor would pop off or something I like that? Know. That's kind of what it reminded me of. Um, but yeah, they're, um, that concept I really dug. The armor well, being... Uh, powered by a kyber crystal and that's like something i would like to see you know mainline quote-unquote canon star wars maybe mess around with because i think it's a neat idea and i'm i'm not being defensive of the two star destroyers but again it's a symbolic like they are intertwined they are twins Mm -hmm. everything's going to be about twins like and that is two star destroyers literally hardwired together Probably logistically because it takes the access to two reactors to f- power the kyber crystal damage array or whatever the arm the whole bullshit. But uh, <laughs> they are literally intertwined. Two ships literally intertwined. It makes the betrayal so much more potent. You know the sibling betrayal so much more. I don't know personal uh, because. Yeah, it's action packed and but like I don't know, the more I watch it, the more I find the emotion in it, you know, the subtlety that I did not expect. Well, I'll tell you this. So when I rewatched it today so we could talk about it this evening, uh it was the first time I watched it in Japanese, right? Right. And you know this, I am not a dude who is hardcore about having to watch every <coughs> <coughs> anime in Japanese with subtitles. Right. I think however it is you want to watch anime, I think the more important thing is, is that you're watching anime, you know? Right. Watch however watch it however it is. 
um, that you enjoy it. You enjoy it most. And and you know, I get the uh, you know the points where people are like, yeah, but you know, it was written in Japanese and it's performed in Japanese, and you know, you get a a different performance or a better performance and things like that, which I don't even necessarily disagree with. I don't disagree. But I'll tell you this. There are some English dubs that just because that's what I watched, I prefer to the Japanese mm-hmm. version. For instance, right? I prefer the English version of Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, that, and I prefer the English version of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I do too. That's just what I'm used to. Yep. <clears throat> um, Those voice actors kind of nailed it for me on those projects mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mon- princess mononoke i feel like princess mononoke's voice cast was incredible yeah i mean that's you know that was one of those instances where they were like let's just get superstars and shit how much money did you say we could use uh we're gonna use it all yeah, uh, uh, pay it all for art the voice art now what i was saying is you know even though i'm not someone who's like oh you 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 can only watch it in Japanese. That's the only way to do it right. Yeah. Uh, even though I'm not one of those guys, I will say this: I much, much prefer the Japanese version of the Twins. Really? Yeah. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I mean, it's. I just think it's better, and that's no hate to the any of the English voice cast. I just feel like <clears throat> the performances. Another are maybe, instance where the medium where it was made in was. Yeah. Appropriate. Yeah, and I feel like it's just one of those things where I don't know, maybe it's just a little more nuanced. I mean, if if the twins can be nuanced at all, you know what I mean? It gives context. Does that make sense? It gives a layer of context that you're removed when you're just lipping, listening to the English voiceover. Because uh, um, <clears throat> there are subtleties within the Japanese language that are hard to translate if that makes sense some sometimes oh yeah uh. i mean it is not and, and i say there's not knowing a whole lot about japanese it is not as easy as just translating things one to one at all my dude there's there's definitely some some um some tricks and in the whole idea between translation and localization that's a big thing too so yeah you know um, after multiple viewings of the twins, it's actually I've grown more fond of it. Always liked it, but you know, I think that initial like, "Wow, that was crazy!" Um, sort of reaction overtook me a little bit. If, yeah, if that makes sense. I completely agree. That was I was in shock the first time. Really, yeah, because um, it is balls to the walls. Like that shit doesn't stop. And it's just crazy. It really is. Um, One of the things I like that the director say was um, how, you know, it was about siblings, you know, Star Wars was about siblings and family. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really, I like that. You know, I like that. The struggle with good and evil. Uh, Man, what else was it? I missed something. Anyway, keep going, and I, I'll, I'll, if it comes back to me, I'll mention it. But he said something else that I really liked, and it has slipped my mind all of a sudden. Well, the only other thing I had to offer is, if I'm not mistaken, this is the only <coughs> one of the shorts where we see sort of a 
classic Star Wars vehicle in it, right? With the X-Wing. And you also see some like ATSTs, right? Right. I can't true. remember seeing those in anything else. You you see a TIE fighter in uh, TOB-1. I like the stylized Stormtrooper gun. I don't know if that's just a stun cannon or if it's also a blaster. It's very mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, and I like um, Kare doing the the Kylo freeze of the stun blast. Oh, yeah, very cool. Yeah, I mean, look, it's <clears throat> nothing is going to hit as hard as the first time in the theater watching The Force Awakens and seeing Kylo stop that laser bolt. I may have literally said, oh, shit. Yeah, like, I may have said that out loud. I'm pretty sure we both did. <laughs> um, but just to see them do it again, uh, it's it still hasn't gotten old to me yet. I love that power. Oh, I remember what it was. When the director was talking about, you know, it being his sister and the whole thing was to try to save her. and, um, You know, and if he struck her from the front full on, there's no way he would have injured her. Mm-hmm. And um, for him to flip upside down, you know, he it was just enough that he could just cut the crystal. Uh, and he did. And that was cool. Like that was awesome as hell. And I love when it goes to light speed and cuts the rest of the ship off. And then, you know, like, you know, the samurai pose after defeating your opponent or whatever, like that's really cool. Like, I love that. It's very symbolic. Um, but, uh, once he lands and he's talking to, okay, some of the droids have very similar names in some of these. I think his name's Arduo. Um, um, I think you're correct. So her droid, the sort of C-3PO stand-in is B-2-O- B-2-O-N, right? Okay. And then the, yeah, R-Duo is his sort of astromech droid. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. It's very cool. Yeah, and I like that, you know, it ends on your typical Star Wars hopeful note. Oh, yeah, that's what I mean. And when he's talking to him, he's like, I know she's alive. You know, I know she's out there. Like, mm-hmm. Why the hell was that droid wearing a space helmet? when he? I, you know what? I love it. I have no idea. Why, I have no I idea either, but I fucking love it, my dude. I'm glad he was. <clears throat> Very pop art, kind of. The fact that I can't at least pre-order a line of Star Wars Visions figures right now, chapping my ass. Oh, really? Yeah, man. You want to talk about something I would be very excited for. And, It'd and be this, cool if some of them turn into series. Uh, yeah. Well, so there, there is something that came up today. Um that I was going to save for a couple of weeks when we talk about the episode it ties in with. Mm -hmm. But it's pretty relevant, especially considering what you just said. So the director of The Ninth Jedi says that he has the rest of that story mapped out and would love to make it into a feature film. Oh, that would be fucking Like an animated feature film, obviously. Yeah. Oh, make it happen, Captain. Are you kidding me? That would be fucking... That's the one, man. That's the one for me. So if they decided they wanted to do that, man, oh, man, would I be excited. 
And then, you know, I'd be like, oh boy, oh boy, there's going to be some cool figures and shit from this. And then they'd be like, oh, exclusively on StarWars.com, the reveal of the last or the ninth Jedi merchandise for the upcoming animated movie. And it would be fucking Crocs. <laughs> fucking cracks the ninth jedi cracks and face masks because she wore a face mask it's gonna be yeah and crocs and you know what be my silly little ass would be on this episode this show and i'd be like guess what i'm wearing right now will and you'd be like what are you wearing and i'd be like um nothing but my ninth jedi crocs i had mm. to buy two different pair in two different sizes Mm. Mm. I can just imagine Crocs sticking out from under your your blue jeans. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. So uh, yeah, you know, enjoying uh, enjoyed the twins and have found myself enjoying it more as I sort of examine it more and and have you know gotten to settle in on visions as a whole. Still wouldn't say it's my favorite, but. Uh, I like it more than I initially did, and I already liked it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I like that. I like the message that optimism and hope are more powerful than anything, and that you know, you're in charge of your own destiny. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be what someone says you have to be just because they said so. Right? You no, know, you're you're in charge of your own destiny. Yeah, and that's like. What a fucking Star Wars sentiment. You know what I mean? That fits perfectly with Star Wars. Even though you're taking this idea of twins and the Force, which obviously we've seen before in Star Wars, and flipping it to be twins in the dark side, like, you know, to... Turning it on its head. Turning it on its side. Yeah, and then having the light side shine through despite all that. That's just like classic Star Wars right there, my dude. Classic Total classic. Total classic Star Wars. So uh, you want to hear, listen to, hear from a couple of our buddies and then yeah, call it a night? I would love to. All right, let's jump into that. Kia G. Kia G. Kia D. Cockhead. The only Jedi master who can crash box. Kia D. Cockhead. Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead. He's a big Surian stud. He loves to split chicks with his pud. Kitty cockhead. To stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Kitty cockhead. What you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge. But he'll be pumping spooge tomorrow. Cockhead. All right, if you would like to send in a voicemail or an email to the show, it's easy enough. Just send it to blue harvest podcast at gmail.com and uh we'd love to hear from you so this week a little light on the emails and the voicemails like i was saying earlier um 
it seems like people sort of like to send them in on Thursday when they know we're recording and stuff. So yeah. since we're recording a little early this week, I'm sure we missed out on these. But don't worry. If you sent one in and you don't hear it this week, I'm sure you'll hear it next week. But we do have a voicemail from Utah. 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 Dougie. Dougie. Osmond this is Dougie. Just checking in. I'm getting super excited for the Kenobi series that's coming up. And um, I keep driving around and having theories and thoughts go through my mind. And this is what I've come up with. This was Star Wars Dougie edition. Uh, the Kenobi series opens with Darth Vader hunting down and killing some Jedi. Some epic um, Vader action. Uh, finishing up, wrapping up some of Order 66. And then maybe we cut to uh, an Imperial intelligence officer who discovers, maybe through some archive footage, Luke and Leia's birth on the uh, asteroid planet where they were born. And maybe he splits up that into like a couple different encrypted um, part, parts to that package and hands it off to an Inquisitor. This particular Inquisitor hates Darth Vader, and so he wants to bring this information to the Emperor himself to gain favor with the Emperor and kind of one-up Darth Vader. So um, Vader also has his own Inquisitor followers, and maybe there's some sort of uh, Jedi Council. We've got Ahsoka. Obi-Wan Kenobi, Yoda, maybe Qui-Gon in some sort of uh, force council meeting going on. And um, they've had some sort of intelligence from Bell Organa that these plans have leaked. Um, so Ahsoka and Yoda travel to go help out Luke. And Obi-Wan is off to try and track down the Inquisitors to get the plans for Luke. And during this time, uh, there's a malfunction on Yoda and Ahsoka's ship. So they have to land on a planet. And Vader becomes aware. And he and his Inquisitor's crew uh, travel to that planet to wrap up and get rid of Yoda and uh, Ahsoka. So uh, we'll have a, a big showdown with that group. Um, Yoda and Ahsoka hold off Vader and wipe out all of his Inquisitors and uh, maybe Yoda is wounded and he goes back to Dagobah and Ahsoka continues on with the information to get to Tatooine and watch over Luke. Okay, And now we have Obi-Wan tracking down the Inquisitor that has the information on Bell Organa and Leia gets to him too late. Vape. Did Dougie just get an extra life? Yeah. Okay. Vader yep. has those plans. So now Vader has captured Bale and Leia and set a trap for Obi-Wan. And Obi-Wan has to go free them. Epic battles ensue all over the place. And with the final showdown of Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. It's kind of what I've come together with. Um... 
That would be my perfect fan dream. Either way, I'm super excited to see what they do with it. What would you guys add or take away, or what would be your own synopsis of the series coming up? Uh, as always, keep it clean. Love the podcast. Dougie, out. Thanks, Dougie. <clears throat> that sounds like a movie script. I mean, uh, look, it's well thought out. Yeah. So <clears throat> just sort of going piece by piece, right? I feel like there's a strong to pretty strong chance we might see Vader doing some, you know, Jedi hunting at something, at some point. Honestly, this would be like Prime Vader, right? Yeah, we're not talking that long post. Uh, I can't remember what the exact timeline is. It's either six or eight years, maybe, post um revenge of the sith so honestly kind of dig the idea of that's how it starts with vader hunting down some sort of jedi in hiding escape jedi or something um yeah i think that would be pretty fucking cool now <clears throat> i don't I don't necessarily see Ahsoka being part of this series, especially when it comes to interacting with Vader, because in Rebels, right, that right. is uh, the first time they're seeing each other again, right? right. Since right. the Clone Wars, or since, I guess since Anakin left her to handle Mandalore while he and Obi-Wan went to rescue Palpatine at the yeah. beginning of um, Revenge of the Sith. So that's what I see happening. Or that's one thing, uh, one problem I see with Dougie's idea. Um, Yoda, uh, look, it's taken a lot for me to wrap my head around and just like settle on the idea that Obi-Wan leaves Tatooine. I don't want Yoda leaving Dagobah. One of these dudes needs to stay in exile and stay put like like we have been led to believe they did, right? Right. So I don't necessarily see Yoda leaving. Um, now, uh, Bail Organa being involved and contacting Obi-Wan with whatever mission or thing he needs help with, I love that. Give me more Bail Organa. Um, I like my Star Wars with lots of Jimmy Schmitz. Me too. <clears throat> um, so, yeah. I just, like, my main concern with the Obi-Wan series is, like, I want it to be a really good reason that you have Obi-Wan leave. Right? <clears throat> yeah. The Duchess Satine is dead, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that that was a cool thread that would have been nice to see, but you know they closed that chapter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I just want it to be like if he's leaving, just give me a really good reason. That's all I ask, and then I'll be cool with it. And I had faith that they'll, you know, it's not going to be like he's like, oh damn, I'm just tired of being here, man. I need a vacation, and then he goes to like you know, Scarif on vacation to catch some rays and he's out on the beach with like one of those foil reflecting things reflecting the sun back in his face 
Yep. And Vader just happens to walk onto the beach and they just awkward, awkwardly stare at each other for a little bit. And that's what he's talking about when he's like a presence I haven't felt since, since the beach. The beach. <laughs> yeah. So um, now as far as Yoda and Qui-Gon are concerned, I would not be surprised if we at least get some sort of vocal cameo from those two cats communicating with Obi-Wan. I sure as shit hope so. Um, it seems like something that they could and would do, considering like it's established that Obi-Wan is communicating with them through the Force um, post-Revenge yeah. of the Sith, right? Um, besides that, like, oh, and another thing, like, I don't know, there's been a ton of rumors about Inquisitors in the Obi-Wan series, and it's, it seems like one of those where there's smoke, there's fire situations. Yeah. So I have a feeling Inquisitors are probably part of it. Now, whether it'll be some, you know, different warring factions of Inquisitors and Inquisitors that are against Vader and Inquisitors that are loyal to Vader, I don't know, but I've, I have a feeling that they're going to be in a, at least a couple of them. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but other than that, I don't really know what I'm looking for. Um, I'm not trying to have any specific expectations. I don't need him to whip a lot of ass with a lightsaber. I just like the character deepening. You know, like I, there's, I, I know there's going to be plenty of badass shit. Yeah, and you know, this is the thing, like, a question I've always wondered is when and how did Obi-Wan realize that Anakin survived the battle on Mustafar and became Darth Vader? Um, That's something I've always wondered. And so I wonder if that's something we'll see in this show. Um, Darth Vader, who was a pupil of mine, I've already told. And I also kind of wonder, like, so, you know, Kathleen Kennedy billed it as the rematch of the century between Vader and Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan kind of has to, quote-unquote, lose this match, right? I mean, there's no way, I don't know, he won the first time. Right. I'm not saying this from, like, a dude in a comic book store with his arms crossed and fucking barbecue chip crumbs all over his shirt being like well vader's much more powerful than obi-wan so he has to win not even from that perspective but just like from a story perspective vader i would think has to think that he at least think that he's beat beaten obi-wan right i don't know man though in that duel in a new hope he tells him last time we met i was the learner and now I am the master. Like right. Um, I, I mean, you could if Obi Wan does win, that you can lean on that. Is all I'm saying. Right, but if Obi Wan, how does Obi Wan win and not finish off Vader? Well, you know, just because a fight ends doesn't mean there's you know a a, a, a winner or a. It's not, you know, there are no rules where it says fatality required to lose or win. Yeah. You know, there are abrupt circumstances that can end the lightsaber fight. 
Yeah, I am predicting that Obi-Wan, quote-unquote, loses the fight, um, for lack of a better comparison, almost in a way how Yoda lost against Sidious in Revenge of the Sith, where he kind of, like, dips out, you know? Because I have a few, like, I don't know, just from a character standpoint, I feel like if Vader had a rematch with Obi-Wan, he's going to have, I mean, it's going to be a fucking anger and hate filled fight as it is. I don't like the idea that this is Obi-Wan realizing he's old. So he goes and gets his Walker and just goes and retires on Tatooine. Like, I don't like that. Well, I'm not saying that's what he does. I'm just saying like, he knows he's beat and like knows it's better for him to retreat than it is to get doo-doo stomped by Vader and leave Luke uh, unprotected on Tatooine, right? I just don't see... Like, what I'm saying is if Vader loses and knows Obi-Wan is still out there, then why... Vader as a character would be, like, obsessed with trying to find that dude. There would be no, like, oh, I don't know, maybe I'll see him in 15 years or whatever. Yeah. Maybe he'll show up on my fancy fucking space station and then we can have it out again. And his ass right, will disappear. Right, like Vader will think that he killed him. Yes. Or it'll be ambiguous. Right, that's what I mean. I mean, like, we'll know, obviously, and we'll see Obi-Wan escape and stuff. I'm not saying, like, he... And that's why he stomps the cloak. <laughs> and then they yeah. He's like, oh, you've done this before. I mean, you're not, you're not really down there. Oh, see? Like, I didn't even think about that, right? Like... I didn't even think about him stepping on that cloak because he sure does. Um, Let's make sure there's no Obi-Wan bits in there. Yeah, I just, I, I, I don't know. Like I said, my main concern, the main thing I want out of this is a good explanation to why Obi-Wan leaves Tatooine. Because there's got, like, it, there's definitely things you could make that would, or, or come up with that would make me understand and be like okay well that the most sense. obvious is that luke is taken hostage or goes on a trip or something but you know that a new hope like he's trying to get off world like he's never been off world from what they make it sound like yeah yeah and i mean i, he mean, was, I don't know that that's ever said anywhere in the movie but it just um it's implied yeah kind of right like that luke's never been off world right that he's been stuck there moisture farming and his uncles kept telling him, you can go to the Academy next year. Yeah. So yeah, I, I just feel like there's gotta be, I don't know, man, give me something good. Give me something good. And, uh, I'll be down with the rest of it. Cause I just want to see you and back, back as a uh, Obi-Wan and all the other stuff is just added. What Bo-Katan's in there? be kind of cool that's the other thing like like i love all the extra appearances in mandalorian season two but i also don't want that to constantly be what star wars is constantly trying to work in other characters like bo katan showing up makes sense right i was just saying she knows obi-wan she does yeah that one you know i could see that um you know, Boba Fett. I was just thinking of people that Obi Wan would know, right? That he would potentially see. Um, and you know, we have Bail Organa, Bo Katan. I'm just trying to think of people that he would. 
the other thing to keep in mind is we're we're only looking at six episodes for Obi Wan too. So you know, you could pull Quinlan Boss in this. You could, and there would be a very happy member of the Rogue Rebels podcast by the name of Sal yeah, who would like that very much. Um, I just think Obi Wan is it doesn't need all the cameos and stuff. Jimmy, you know, like. Jimmy Schmitz makes sense. He's he's who sends out the call to try to get Obi-Wan to join the fight in A New Hope, you know? Mm-hmm. He knows where Obi-Wan is hiding out. There's a reason he he's trying to enlist Obi-Wan's help. He knows that he can be effective. And there has to be some reason that he knows he can be effective. Some adventure they had together prior. Well, I, I would think that him... He said you served my father in the Clone Wars. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, that didn't really happen now that we've yeah. seen the prequels. Now that we know, you know? exactly what did happen. <laughs> you know, that's... He was that's, a senator. He was a general of the Grand Army of the Republic. Right, right. They, You know, that's another one of those in, instances like, uh, you know, what do you remember about your mother, your real mother, from She's Return of the Jedi? Where it kind of <laughs> seems like Uncle George only watched certain scenes of his original trilogy back before he went and made the prequels, you know? And there's some little yeah. things here and there where it's like, mm, I don't know. I don't know about that. But So what I told you is true from a certain point of view. I would say Bale just being aware of Obi-Wan and his exploits during the Clone Wars is enough to warrant him asking obi-wan to come join the fight you know well they have to know that he's alive i mean he said he was going to go to tatooine though yeah he tell he's like i'm going to take him back to i'm going to take him to his fucking yeah on tatooine and poor uncle owen was like damn i gotta put up with this she's like we always wanted a baby it's like did you did you did uh, did owen really did he always want well no that's what um that's what Bale says when he's like, we'll okay. take the girl. We've always wanted a baby or want always wanted a child or whatever. Man, that'd be fucked up if he got back there and uh, Leia's adoptive mom, Bale Organa's wife, was like, uh, what is this? Just bringing <laughs> a... Oh, okay. Oh, Really? <laughs> I said a chihuahua. This is a child. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, this is just some random senator's kid that you're bringing? Hmm. Whose child are you taking in now? Hmm. Downton Abbey shit. Hmm. Oh, really? Oh, it was just a. Fr- she was just a friend, huh? She was just a friend? Whose daughter is now yours? Right. Right. You're bringing home. Oh, what does she look show me a picture what'd she look like oh she looked like natalie portman did she and nothing happened another senator another the senator from naboo oh really Mm. Mm. yeah that'd be fucked up all right we got one email and we'll call it a night it's from our buddy mark he says Hey, Halls, hope you are well patreon mark christensen here quick question myself wife and three daughters only have opening star wars 
opening day Star Wars celebration tickets, but are looking for additional days for Star Wars celebration, but the markups are crazy expensive. Do you have any suggestions or connections with groups in and around the moisture farmer community looking to unload their passes at a reasonable price? Great show. Really glad to hear you're on the mend. Best, Mark. Um, okay, buddy, this is what I would say. I don't know if they've officially said if they're doing it yet or not, but for celebration in Chicago, they had a specific site set up where people could sell their celebration passes if they couldn't go or for whatever reason. They had that set up on the official celebration site. Uh, And I knew several people that got passes to Celebration Chicago that way for face value. So I would hold on and see if they do that or maybe even contact them to see if if they're doing that. And also, I'm pretty sure they said that additional passes were going to be put up for sale at some point. Granted, I think that would have, you would think that would have happened by now because surely with them delaying and then moving up celebration like they did, they had two date changes since they had to postpone it from last year. There's got to be quite a few people that aren't able to make the new celebration date as it is. So I would say do that. Contact them and see if they're going to be putting more passes on sale or if they're going to be doing that ticket resale site like they did for the last celebration. If they are, that's probably going to be your best bet and easiest bet. Now, past that, um, I mean, look, if, if if anybody's listening that's trying to offload some Star Wars celebration passes, hit me up and I'll get you in, in charge with or in touch with Mark. Or Facebook groups. Facebook groups might also help you in that regard. Like, I know there's several Star Wars Celebration Facebook groups out there. Like, I'm part of one that's all about, you know, handicap access. And the policies for that for the different celebrations. So, I would look and see if there's one out there for Celebration Tickets. That would be my advice. Um, that would be good advice. But past that, I'm not quite sure, buddy. I would hope that, you know, um, you can find them for not too expensive. Also know that as the closer it gets to celebration, the more you're going to find um, people selling their passes. For instance... I think Johnny Grosso got his um, his passes both times, you know, pretty close to actual celebration because he found people that were trying to get um, okay, hold on. <laughs> All right, check it out. So in their frequently asked questions, It says, when will Star Wars Celebration 2022 tickets go on sale? It says, to be the first to know about any future additional ticket availability and other exciting Star Wars Celebration news, be sure to subscribe to our newsletter. Okay. 
that is not that's not super helpful for what we're looking at here um yeah so that's that would be my uh suggestion buddy and uh, like i said if if you're listening to this and you have some passes you're looking to get rid of let me know and i'll let mark know and you guys can hash out the details so that's it buddy thanks for uh recording with me oh man thank you definitely needed the distraction that's for sure sorry about that um so uh listen guys if you haven't already please leave us a five-star review on itunes it helps other people find us uh, makes us happy all that good stuff if you like our theme song please be sure to check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music they're stoned cobra and you can find them on itunes spotify and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com check out the high potion podcast with me and our buddy steve uh if you're into video games it's a good time i think we got two pretty ripper episodes coming out this monday and the following monday episodes 20 and 21 um and other than that uh, we'll see you guys next week until then this has been blue harvest i'm Hans burkhart and i'm Orwin. may the force be with you May the force be with all of you. May the force be with us.